the logic of it is laughable that, sure. you know, you don't realize it, but you hate me. <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. As always, I'm Thomas here with my good friend, Daniel. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Yeah, yeah. doing well. This is different for us, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I'm a yeah. bit early. <laughs> we are recording nice. in the morning. Um, first thing in the morning, actually. Yeah. That's, uh, that's unusual for us. Yeah, I still have my pajamas on. No, not really. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> in the church office? <laughs> so how have no, you been? It's nice. I'm yeah, doing well. Keeping busy. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. So I've been uh, preaching through First uh, Peter and enjoying that. And uh, we started last, um, let's see, last Wednesday on um, a biblical response to addictions. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're going to go through that Bible study and uh, just had a child with a birthday yesterday. And, and uh, yeah, anyway, things are good. <laughs> rolling along. Good. How about you? Uh, pretty well. Um, still preaching my way through Job. Um which is just a fascinating book, um, and I, you know, I've been uh, been since we started our ministry, uh, I've been trying to preach through books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Sometimes two at a time. Um, sure, depending at, on the different services. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, actually, I think there's been times where I've done three at a time. <laughs> yeah, Basically, wow. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and uh, just because I I, I want to. I want to cover all the books of the Bible as best I can. And then after that, I want to start getting more focused and honed in on particular sections and parts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but Job has been one of the most challenging books that I think I've I've taught through um, just because of the, the language that's used there. It's a very different book of the Old Testament, uh, mm-hmm. probably because it's so old. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's a very, very old book, but I've yes, been right. enjoying that. Um, and uh, we're starting to have some more, um, in, like in the afternoon services, we're, we're kind of gearing those more towards the young people uh, right okay. now. So we're going through, we gave them these devotionals. Um, uh, I forget what they're called off the top of my head, but it has this this neat acronym, GROWS, um, Good Morning God, um, Yes. Read, oh, read, yeah. read and respond, yep. open heart prayer, yep. worship. I went through the same series. Uh, yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A few years back in Patch Club. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, I found it really good. And uh, what we're doing is we're having the young people do those. And then uh, we're talking about them on Sunday afternoons, just kind of getting mm-hmm. some feedback from them about the week. And, uh, and then we're going through a spiritual growth lesson afterwards, uh, not related to the devotionals, but we're, we're talking about mm-hmm. different aspects of spiritual growth. Good. Uh, so I've been enjoying that. Um, and uh, on, on a different front, I finally have a date for my black belt ceremony. Ah, you yeah. do. Yes. <laughs> Almost a year later. <laughs> wow. It's the last, yeah, last year, what was it? October, November, December, maybe, maybe it's December. We were talking about, whoa, you know, start January, you're uh-huh. going to be moving into a tough three months. <laughs> yeah. And it turned into six and a half months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so what, what month are you looking at? Uh, October mean, 10th. Okay. Is okay. the ceremony. It's a Saturday. Wow. 
Yeah. Imagine, I, I, I don't uh, know what the emotions of that would be like. I mean, after such a full year to be yeah. like, like I made it or like, yeah, yeah I don't like, know yet. Happy or like, I don't like, know yet. Oh. I, I'll kind of have to wait <laughs> and see how I feel. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> I, I guess from what I hear at the ceremonies, they, of course, they give you your belt. Mm-hmm. But then you have to stand in the middle of the room and give a speech of some kind. Yes. Um, like three to five minutes. And then um, everyone in the room takes turns saying something about you. You know, everyone that, that you've trained with, everyone that wants to say something, they they basically say nice things about you or something, um, which is kind of almost like as awkward as when people stand <laughs> around singing happy birthday to you. And you don't know, should I sing too? I mean, <laughs> should I just stand here and smile? <laughs> it's like, that, that's got to be perhaps the most awkward part, I think. Um, and then they have, they show this video that you're required to make yeah. uh, for boot camp um, about your training. So. Yeah, I saw that. That was neat. Yeah, it's a interesting thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> First they're they're pummeling you, and then they're uh, putting the spotlight on you and saying nice things about you. Yeah, I guess yeah. Uh, I guess I it guess goes both ways. Yeah. <laughs> we um, before we move on, I think we've got some administrative details, and then I'm looking forward to jumping into a few uh, questions here. Yes, uh, of course we do want to first thank our patrons over at yes. Patreon.com/slash Reason Together. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with that, these are the people that have chosen to graciously designate some of their hard-earned money to support this podcast and what we do here. Uh, and uh, we are certainly grateful to each and every one of them for doing that. If you want to become one of those patrons, you can go over to patreon.com slash reason together, and you can sign up for any one of the tier levels that we have there. Uh, Our favorite is the elite tier, because with that, you get the after show bonus episodes, which is kind of a behind the paywall kind of thing. Uh, The only people that get those are the elite patrons. And usually in those, we have some extra content about the show. It's a little more relaxed. If the if the main episodes aren't relaxed enough, um, <laughs> as if we're like really tense people, <laughs> right, right. Um, but if you'd like to do that, that's Patreon.com/slash/ReasonTogether, and thank all of our patrons for their support. Um, the other administrative detail I have here is uh, we are now on Amazon Music. Uh, as as you know, there are many platforms you can listen to podcasts on. Uh, you might listen through Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Music uh, Store thing, whatever it is on the Android platform. <laughs> uh, you might listen through Stitcher uh, or Spotify. I don't think, no, we're not on Spotify. No, I think you can listen through Stitcher, SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. That's the one I was thinking of. SoundCloud, okay. we're on there. Uh, we now have a new one, Amazon Music, uh, which is a, wow. a neat thing because if you are an Amazon Prime member and you have access to all the different music features there, um, you know, you can now listen to podcasts. And and that's, of course, whether you're a Prime member or not, you can listen to podcasts on mm-hmm. Amazon Music. Just uh, look for us on there or just ask your your Alexa device to to play the Reason Together podcast and it should be able to pull that right up. Might be the most reasonable thing Alexa's, you know, been, been saying <laughs> in some time, uh, depending on how you use Alexa. But Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe the best. <laughs> Might be the best substantive conversation that's come out of your machine. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. 
Um, my thought on today, Tom, uh, you tell me what you think, but is we are in debate season, of course, in politics. Yeah. Um, and not that I really want to hash over the debate, but we do have questions related uh, to politics and uh, and to just that that realm of thinking. And 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 I hope our listeners, if they're not familiar with what we're doing, uh, these aren't going to be, I don't think, your typical political questions. Like, you know, let's bring up somebody and bash them. It's it's trying to connect. Uh, it's trying to connect things in this case in the political sphere yeah. to you know a Christian mindset and to uh, biblical thought and things like that. But what would you think mm-hmm. about taking two or three of those questions this morning? Sure, we can try that. Okay. Um. I had, uh, there's three here that I'm looking at, um, and one, I guess, this one, we might get this one over with first. Um, you had one here tagged to an article from some time back, said, is Trump anointed of God? Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's this, obviously, with this presidential figure, there's a, you know, a, a wide disparity of feeling toward him, and I suppose toward... Um, uh, I want to say any Republican, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but you're going to have certain evangelicals that jump on board that get close. And I don't know, you know, that maybe people feel like they try to make every president saved, like, oh, sure, he's, yeah. you know, look, he's such a, he's such a man of God and whatever. Yeah, that, that's a mistake. Yeah. Um, right. And I don't disagree, but to use that terminology, that cert- that sounds like we're coming into the religious sphere here when sure. we say is Trump anointed of God, but what's your... Do you want to read the article? Do you want to reference that? Or do you just want to answer that question? <laughs> I'll, I'll let me reference the article first, and then okay. we can yeah. maybe ask some questions about what it means to be anointed. Um, okay. the, uh, the article begins uh, with the headline, Trump responds to claim he was chosen by God. This is by a man named Joseph Curl uh, from dailywire.com. It says, Barack Obama was known as the chosen one, <laughs> but two professors who study religion and politics say more churchgoers now believe President Trump has been anointed by God to lead the United States. Uh, Ryan Burge, assistant professor of political science at Eastern Illinois University, and Paul Jupe, an associate professor of political science at Denison University in Ohio, wrote a religion in public blog post titled Trump the Anointed, question mark, by the way, Trump the Anointed, that's a question, um, The two ran a survey in March and found that among white Protestants who attend church services once a week, 49.5% believe Trump has been anointed by God, calling the the finding a phenomenon that is sweeping American religion. Those who practice other faiths came in at 49.1%, the professor said. And uh, these two men also noted that the numbers have been going uh, steadily up. Um trying to summarize as much as I can here. Trump has responded to the claim, uh, and he said, I almost don't even want to think about it, Trump said in an interview on Monday, Fox News reported, because you know what, I'm going to, all I'm going to do is, I I hope it's true, all I'm going to do is I'm going to do my best. Trump, though, has asserted that he is the chosen one, although he later said he was joking. During trade talks with China in 2019, Trump said, I am the chosen one before boarding Air Force One. His comment went viral, and he later addressed the con- controversy. Basically, what happened is uh, he he looked up toward the sky. He was smiling, and he said, "I'm the chosen one." And he claims he was joking, but the media ripped him for having a messiah complex. Yeah. Um, 
the article goes on later, uh, we were surprised by the result that 49% of those frequently attending worship services believe that Trump was anointed by God to be president. Um, at least until we examine the evidence that suggested religious and secular elites continue to claim that Trump has a religious, religiously significant role to play. <clears throat> so that's kind of the gist of the article here is that okay. it says close to half of what they said were white Protestants, whatever, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, half of them believe that Trump is anointed by God, or it seems the way that they're using the word anointed is, is the idea of chosen. Okay. okay. And well, cause I, go, go ahead. ahead. I was yeah. going to say, well, that's kind of the first question it, when you come talk to that is say, what do you mean anointed? Right. What right. Mean I mean, like, what are you talking about? Anointed. <laughs> because, you know, and, and you and I, I think, are, are on the same page about uh, what a sovereign God means. Um, yes. And, and I think we would agree that if someone is the president, <laughs> they are, in a sense, chosen by God. <laughs> uh, you well, know? the Bible says that he lifts up one and puts down another. Right. Sure. Well, I was thinking of... Um, uh, where was it in Daniel? Daniel chapter two, I think it is, um, uh, with... where Daniel responds, blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. Hmm. Um, which basically kind of asserts that anytime someone is in charge of a nation, it's because God either caused it or permitted it. I don't, I don't see then in a sense how any president couldn't be in a sense anointed of God, but, but it seems people are using the word anointed differently. And I mean, yeah, but say, say chosen, um, you know, that's taking maybe a more of a, um, well, no, on one hand, obviously Messiah complex, like, is he the chosen? <laughs> well, of course not. You know I mean? Right. On. Sure. Um, you know, and then. If you mean like he was chosen of God, it's like, what is your perspective of God that, you know, he's looking through all of humanity and saying, oh, goodness, who can run this country? Ah, you know, this man. I mean, yeah, his his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And so, yes, in his sovereignty, you know, he is he's brought these things to pass, um, you know, but I think people simplify it by, you know, whether whether they think the president is uh, like a <laughs> response to our failures in a sense, like, right. like he's a judgment on us or right. whether he has, you know, yeah, yeah. I, to me, the anointed goes a, maybe a, a little too far. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm okay with saying there's a sovereign God who puts up one and set, you know, sets up yeah. one, puts down another. He's the one that uh, obviously controls who is, yeah. I mean, nothing's out of his control. Sure. I get it. Um, but uh, like, what is the point? Like to say he's, the anointed, like, touch not the Lord's anointed. Like, now I can't um, question anything he does, and I have to sanctify him, essentially. And I think what makes people use that word in relation to the president, our current president, is probably, and this is my guess here, it's probably due to all of the times that his opponents have tried to scandalize him and oust him from office. Okay. And okay. each time, it seems, he's like Teflon. It just kind of doesn't stick. If I could give you just an, a rundown here of all the ways that they have tried to attack him, both personally and politically, mm -hmm. uh, his tax returns, 
his family businesses and whether they comply with the Constitution's emoluments clause. Uh, Trump's dealings with Russia, including his preparation for his meeting with Putin. Uh, the payment that he made to Stormy Daniels, um, if you remember that. James Comey's oh, firing, Trump's firing of U.S. attorneys, Trump's proposed transgender ban uh, for the military. By the way, this list is available uh, at, a, at an article that I'll link in the show notes. Um, his proposed transgender ban for the military, uh, his Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin's business dealings, White House staff's personal email use, cabinet secretary travel, office expenses, and other misused perks, discussion of classified information at Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> and so on. The list goes on. There's 18 things uh, on the list here. Uh, all ways that they have tried to scandalize him uh, and oust him from office. The fact is they were talking about impeaching him even before the before he won the election. <laughs> they, 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 they affirmed they will impeach if he's elected. And basically, how do you impeach somebody if you don't know anything he's done yet? Yeah, you'll find something, right? <laughs> you'll find something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they made yeah. the decision to do that first, and they figured we'll drum up the evidence later. And yet here we are four years later um, and he's up for re-election and none of these scandals have really stuck to the point of, of harming him much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say maybe the biggest detriment to his presidency has kind of been his own mouth <laughs> in many mm-hmm. ways, uh, particularly right. on Twitter. But the scandals have really not done a whole lot. Um, and, and I think people look at it and say, oh, well, you know, look at that. He must be anointed of God. <laughs> And and here's my take on it, personally. I don't think that his protection from these scandals, I don't think that the good that he's done uh, politically, uh, policy-wise, I don't think that's a result of of him necessarily. I think God is, in a sense, just using him as a tool to shield and protect the faithful people of God who've been praying for such relief. For quite a while. No, that's that's interesting. That's consistent. I mean, I, you, you, there's obviously a clear biblical example of God using um, such a world ruler for his causes uh, mm-hmm. in the person of Cyrus. <clears throat> and I'm yeah. not commenting on Trump's spiritual state, you know, up or down. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, uh, you know, God has has done that before to to actually use somebody, if you will, but. Sometimes getting in, into into terms of sovereignty is is a diff, is it's difficult. You kind of get you get into some words that you're like, okay, sure. if I, well, if, if we take that illustration as it goes. But anyway, to use to use a person uh, or to yeah guide a person in such a way that he accomplishes his purposes, and it's not necessarily all to that person's credit. <clears throat> you know, right? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, obviously. Uh, Anyway, there's there's so much. That, yeah, it's interesting. I didn't realize it'd even get us into this sovereignty debate, uh, and I, I don't, I'm not not going to get into it. But when you're talking about the sovereignty of God, it's sure a big subject for people to think about. You know, the, the power of God, the ability of God to orchestrate and to lead and to be in control, and yet I think not to um, dictate every detail of life. You know what I mean? God can weave all these instances throughout life, and yet we're not robotic. He's not right, saying, right. oh, you have no choice in what you do. You will do this, and you will do that, and you will vote this way, and you will act this way because you're all a bunch of my pawns, and it's just a right. big cosmic um, 
game right. that I move all the pieces. Oh, that's not exactly right. what's going on. But yet you would also say that when people uh, refuse to conform to the will of God in a certain area, he still accomplishes his will. Yes, right. You would say that. And he is the final authority. There's nothing, not, not like they're exercising, uh, it's not like people, you know, puff their yeah. chest against God and somehow get away with it. Well, sure. I mean, well, I he's mean, the final judge. Yeah, there's a good example of that even in Ahasuerus, uh, in the story of Esther. Hmm. I mean, he was not what you'd call a good king, right? He wasn't a good leader. He had a penchant for, you know, young women, basically had a mm. harem, uh, dragged young girls away from their homes and families so he could satisfy, you know, himself. And he was a very angry man, uh, had a huge temper. Uh, and yet the Lord still accomplished his will in that story by bringing Esther to the forefront to save the nation. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because then she became the one who could speak to him on behalf of her people. Um to save the nation. And, and of course, you know, Haman gets, gets hung in the end. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. and, and Israel is preserved, uh, and, and protected and given freedoms in their nation or not their nation, but, uh, in, uh, Persia. <coughs> um, and, and in that situation, we'd say, well, was, was Esther anointed by God? You know, um, well, we'd say, well, God certainly used her. Yeah. Um, but the difference here is that Esther went in with a very specific purpose. You know, Esther was very God-minded here, I think, and saying, yeah, sure. uh, God can use me here. Yeah. Is yeah. that the same with our current president? Uh, no. Not necessarily. No. Well, um, well, Esther you know. didn't know, Esther didn't know from the beginning what her purpose was. Hmm. Um, it was something she discerned later. And, uh, hmm. which is where you get that, that famous statement from the book of Esther, um, uh, was it for for such a time as this? Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what the first half of that sentence was, but the idea is that she realized at a certain point, oh, I get it now. I understand why the Lord allowed me to be taken from my family and and mm-hmm. placed in a harem and and taken by the king to be his, you know, child bride. Basically, um, <clears throat> she says, I get it now. I have an opportunity here to save my people from being, mm-hmm. you know, basically a genocide. Um, to- to go back to the original question, if somebody says, I think Trump's anointed of God, what would be, like, if, would you clarify that statement? Like, would you, would you restate it <clears throat> back to the person using different words? And if so, what do you feel would be more an accurate description of, of what they're maybe trying to communicate? Uh, the word protected or shielded comes to mind. Okay. I think that is a good one. Yeah. Because even to say... Um, Trump is blessed of God. Well, I mean, everybody is, um, sure. to, to be honest. Um, but even what that would convey, you know, to some people, they might be really turned off. Now, I, I do think that, yeah, yeah, I think that protected and shielded. I mean, obviously, it seems like he has been, the end result is that he's blessed. Right. <laughs> like you say, that he, there's this uncanny, you know, weathering of the storms. <laughs> right. But yeah, um, I, I don't think it's for his sake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's mm-hmm. because God looked down on Donald Trump and said, what a godly man, what a stalwart spiritual defender of morals and principles. I'm going to sovereignly protect him from all of the you know democratic attacks on him. Uh, I don't think God has protected him for his sake, for, for Trump's mm. sake. I think he's he's really lifted up the man and protected him from scandal for the sake of faithful people of God praying for relief from a country that's headed in a bad direction. 
Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And, you know, I would, uh, again, God's thoughts are so much higher and broader and, you know, more complicated than our thoughts. Um, you know, I would hope that the president could even see that grace in his life um, and realize that in some way it, it is maybe intended even to show him the goodness of God, you know? Sure. Uh, it's easy to look at it and say, well, we can attribute it to, you know, political skills and to savvy, but we'd hope that to say that, well, this just seems like uh, God is blessing and, and I should, I should be aware. I should be recognize the grace of this God who is helping me mm-hmm. in this office. And we can certainly pray that, you know, eyes yeah. are, are open to, to truth there. But anyway, that, that was kind of an interesting discussion. And I said something earlier and I don't remember exactly what it was about sovereignty, but it was, it's a, di- <laughs> looking back, it's like, ah, no, I don't like the way I worded that. But it's when you get into those talks, um, anyway, a little tough. Yeah, but, sure. Oh, oh, okay. Interesting. What else? Um, you, ha- um, okay. You had one here about this country hates you. Maybe we'll touch on that in a minute, but last, um, uh, last, episode, I think it was, we talked about um, a political matter. What was it? Foreign policy. Yeah, foreign policy. And are there biblical foundations to a good foreign policy? And and several verses started coming to mind, and that was that was exciting to me. Um, and, but another one I had listed here was economics. Um, this may be even more confusing. Uh, but are are there moral arguments for the way the economy is run? Like I've heard, uh, and of course, obviously, I know that the, the subject itself is, is huge. But um, you know, I've heard of terms like manipulation of currency, or you know, years ago we were tied to a gold standard. We know that we massively overspend a budget. There's been you know government bailouts and stimulus packages, and there's the welfare program. When you're t- touching on all of these things, is is what of that connects to biblical principle? If a, if a Christian man, you know, was going into office and felt like, you know, I want to stand on biblical convictions um, and and design for uh, for economics, even on a governmental national level, yeah. what can he do that? Does the Bible speak to? I mean, obviously, I think the Bible. There's plenty there on finance. Sure, we would say personal yeah. finance. Personal finance. Could that can that be applied to, uh, you know, governmental finance? I don't see why not. I mean, the first one that comes to Mm -hmm. mind is just a simple um, principle of personal finance um, is to avoid as much as is possible spending money you don't have. Uh, In other words, Mm -hmm. borrowing, going into debt. Uh, and, And personally, and I don't have time to go into all of it, but I don't think the Bible is completely anti debt um, where debt is forbidden. Okay. I think okay. there are instances where, uh, you know, I think it was in, maybe in the book of Romans, if I remember right, the idea of paying back what you owe. Um, so the importance in the debt is not, mm. is not that it's bad that you're in debt. It's that it's bad if you're in debt and you don't repay it. Um, now, I think someone can obviously go into too much debt. Yeah. And no. I, I think if someone does, they should get out of it as quickly as possible. It should be a calculated yeah. thing. It shouldn't be a consumerist thing. But a uh, quick thing here sure. as far as like in clarification, because uh, I think it is Romans also that says, oh, no man, anything is, do we take that out of context when it says, oh, no man, anything, but to, was it preach the gospel or something like that? Um, yeah, that's not the verse I is, was thinking of. Um, 
trying to remember how it was worded. It's not coming to me at the moment, but... Okay. Um, I mean, one I'm thinking is Romans 13, 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another. Is that even talking about finances, and can we apply that principle uh, in? But go ahead with what you're saying. Um, you're no, talking it, about that, that debt might be permissible in some ways, but obviously with certain boundaries. Right, correct, correct. And, and I think, you know, if someone doesn't have to, to go into debt, then they shouldn't. Um, it should be avoided as much as possible, like the plague. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it should be avoided. Um, but, you know, can, can a government take such a principle and apply that as well? Yeah, I think that would be wise. That's good economic so, policy. Yeah. So like just on a, you're saying on an intro level, let's start balancing the budget. Right. Sure. And paying down debt. So, uh, if And, we and I don't, I don't mean to oversimplify that. I, it's not a simple thing for the government to deal with our debt. You know, there's a lot more to that than, than I would ever know how to deal with on a government level. So I'm, I'm not trying well, to oversimplify I mean, it. Yeah. I mean, certainly it, there was a lot to consider there, but the point being that if you're trying to make the argument that we should balance the budget, is that a moral argument or is that a matter of opinion? I mean, if people say, nah, we can keep overspending, is that being an unbiblical concept, is that, could we say, ethically wrong? I'm kind of leaning that way, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, can, can I give you all the reasons why right off the top of my head? Probably not, but it just doesn't seem to me that it would be conducive to a good moral outlook to say, let's just spend, spend, spend. Who cares how much debt we have? That's got to mm-hmm. lead to something. <laughs> it's got to lead to something. Yeah. Now, I'll have, I'd say, as I step back here, I think, uh, to think of the opposition here, there, I don't know that anybody wants to sound in the political arena like they want to overspend. So, you know, their plans are always worth it. Um, and I was just listening to, you know, somebody last night that uh, this massive, you know, this massive economic idea that will basically pay for itself. Well, because they're not going to, I mean... That's what they're suggesting, you know, because mm-hmm. um, does anybody say, you know, yeah, let's keep going in debt to ourselves or to China or let's not pay our bills. Well, I don't know that either side really wants to sound that way. So it's like it's like there is the underlying idea that we need to be financially responsible, but sure. there's a huge disparity in what that looks like. Sure. <laughs> um, go ahead. I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, how much the government should even be involved in as far as commerce goes, hmm. you know, I mean, I, I, I kind of have somewhat of a limited view of government, you know, as long as they, you know, can, um, can provide us with, with a military that can protect us, uh, and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, police forces that can protect us as long as they can have moral legislators that create, uh, laws that are, are respectful to personal liberties and at the same mm-hmm. time protective. Um, as long as they can do those things, you know, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with the government. But I think uh, what largely leads to problems is uh, when the government feels it has to get involved in everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I see. So really economics really might be kind of outside the pale mm-hmm. um, of, of really the government's core responsibilities as as would be say education 
and, yeah. um, and medicine, maybe in, in, in several things. Yeah, um, exactly. Healthcare. And I don't yeah. know that it's, um, it's, it's reasonable to say the government should have no involvement in commerce or medicine or things like that. But I think it should be very, very minimal. Um, and, and frankly, I don't know that we could really reverse that course as it is right now. Uh, well, we're, we're yes. pretty, our government's pretty huge at this point in history. Yeah, we're not up to our eyeballs. We're like way over our head as far as right, right. <laughs> as far as things that are sure. the, the depth our government is in. But um, I, I made this. I wrote this statement. I would say that a view of economics grows out of one's theology. Yeah, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Um, essentially, uh, the sure. Way, well, I mean, you can kind of say that about anything, couldn't you? Anything. Yes. Right. Right. What what we believe is just an extension. I mean, what the way we act and we believe about any one category is an extension of of what we believe. Yeah. Um, I guess, or is is a subset of that. Um, so I think about the role of role of government. We would certainly say that biblically speaking, the role of government was primarily justice. Uh, if yeah. if a man shed man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Sure. Uh, so justice. Of course, we look at you know the overall idea of security. And then maybe infrastructure, maybe. I don't know. That's been one that's in my mind, but I don't know if that has to be the, the Yeah, case. like roads, bridges, things like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that could be privatized in a perfect world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, in, in each city and each state could, could do what they wanted, and, and the travel there would... Anyway, so it's pretty much you're looking at justice and security as the role of government. Well, you know, the Bible obviously has you know, something to say about justice. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about the welfare program, which would be part of our economics, to me, you have to take into account the nature of man. Mm-hmm. Well, that is, that's rooted right in the Bible to say, well, what, how is mankind going to respond to, to that kind of a program? Um, not just, you know, like, like was recently seen earlier this year. Okay. We've, we've raised it in such a way that you're getting paid significantly mm-hmm. uh, to stay at home. Okay, well, what is that going to do to a man? You know, what's what's the natural human lust tendency going to say? Well, hey, man, yeah. I'm going to pay that much. But the flip side of that too, or, or another component we may not think as much, is that um, if if we understand that man was created to work mm-hmm. uh, and that God designed things perfectly, um, that we feel we feel best or maybe most at ease right. or most satisfied and fulfilled when we do what we're designed to do. So when mm-hmm. you subsidize a man's doing nothing, um, and the way I put it, it's kind of, it kind of rots from the inside out. Um, sure. Because he may, he may think on the outside, ooh, this is really cool. Yeah. But there's a part of him that probably feels the guilt of not getting anything accomplished. Sure. A lot, um, I've, heard, so, I've heard people before cite uh, that as even a cause for the uptick in suicide rates over the last 30 years. Hmm. Um, it's just that we're, we're growing as a society into a more lackadaisical state, um, where, where people are content to do nothing and have forms of entertainment where they do nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, even, even people's work looks more like doing nothing, uh, than it used (laughs) to, uh, a lot of times because of the digital age and, and so forth. Um, so it's, it's harder to see any accomplishment in one's life. But uh, I, I do agree with you. I, I think that um, that that we're in trouble as a society if we're not working, uh, not mm-hmm. just for mm-hmm. for the sake of of people feeling fulfilled, but for the economy, for production, and so forth. 
<clears throat> I think economy is a reflection uh, of the culture. Uh, we countenance, support, and value those things which we deem to be right uh, by our standard or, or, or pleasurable or valuable. Uh, would that be fair to say that our economy manifests the things that we want to spend money on? Well, sure. Uh, you know, didn't um, Jesus say where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also? Mm, yes, yeah. right. Is that Matthew so when we're, uh, okay. 16? Or 6, Matthew 6, you're six, right. 6, yeah, is it 19, 21, something yep, there? Yep, yep, that's correct. Um, and so, obviously, when we're dealing with spending decisions on a personal level, we have to determine godly priorities, biblical priorities. Um, and on a national level, where that would seem difficult is that we're not a theocracy. However, maybe that's not a fair... I mean, obviously, it's a fair statement, but I mean, maybe it's not fair to throw that argument in there because we all have to govern our lives by some standard. And it's not really unfair for a Christian to say, well, these are the standards by which I, I judge them. Right. But not being a Christian nation, is it imposing? Um, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting out there in deep water. No, I, think I, um, I think I see where you're going. Are you saying that not being a Christian nation almost has forced the economy into social programs and big spending? Um, or at least into a reflection of their values. Um, and okay. so to try to harness those values and to harness the national spending into biblical values. Um, I'm not sure exactly what you mean specifically about that. Right. But my my thinking I, was that, that, you know, there, there are some biblical principles that as a, as a, a local church, uh, as people have need that the church uh, family helps take care of each other in a way, mm-hmm. uh, and that individual mm. families help care for family members and so forth. So you have the unit of the family, you have the unit of the church. Mm-hmm. The problem is, mm-hmm. in, in a nation that's not a Christian nation, th- those sources of community are gone. You know, mm-hmm. the breakdown of yeah. the home and right. the family, people don't take care of each yeah. other. Uh, the breakdown of the church and people not even being Christian anymore, they, they don't have that community to take care of each other. So where do they go? They go to the government. Mm-hmm. And say the government should take care of me, and of course, politicians not wanting to look like they're thoughtless and careless about the needs of others create programs by which they take taxpayer money and pay for the living of people who could be out working um, and could mm-hmm. be being mm-hmm. productive in some way, which makes up a large portion of our debt as a country is social programs. Um, mm. So the lack of a being a Christian nation has a direct impact on the economy. Yes, yes. And now we're not stating how <laughs> on the ease of making that argument. I mean, the difficulty of a Christian in politics trying to make a, an argument for why social programs are really kind of <laughs> biblically unnecessary. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even down to uh, Social Security. Yeah. You know, that's. We're creating the net, you know, for you, yeah. So that you, so so that you're financially yeah. supported, which takes away from you the responsibility, sure, um, of making wise decisions in your lifetime with the money that you make, right? And, and well, yeah. some would argue that you know, well, it's not really a social program because you pay into it and then you get back out of it. But couldn't I just do that for myself? Right, <laughs> right. You know, why right. do I need to give the government a loan, basically? Um, when I could right. just take that money instead of decide in a retirement account, 
for myself. Right. We could say like everybody pay into the program and then you meet every night and we'll feed you supper, you know, right. um, with the money that you pay. Can us. I just buy or it myself? Can I just buy my own supper? <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Oh boy, I just stretched out a little bit. Okay. Well that could go a hundred directions, but thank you for batting that around a sure. little bit. Um, you want to address that last one? I think that's all that we've got time for. Uh, which one was it? Remind me. Um, the, the issue of your, your country hates you. Oh yeah. This, this is, a. I don't know what direction this would even go in, but, uh, you know, in talks recently about race relations in America, um, you know, the, the idea of critical race theory, and we don't have time to really launch into that, but it, basically the idea of teaching uh, minority uh, citizens that this country really at its core hates you. They just don't, they don't know it. They don't think they do, but they hate you. And uh, everyone out there is in a sense, your, your oppressor and you're a victim. Um, <laughs> Just by virtue, I have to of... laugh at it, but it is tragic. I mean, honestly, that 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 narrative is terrible, and yet the logic of it is laughable. That sure. you know, you don't realize it, but you hate me. <laughs> I mean, you don't you don't realize it, but you know, you just cursed, didn't you? Hear yourself? Didn't you hear it? That's you right. just cursed. No, I didn't. Well, sure, did you just didn't know it? Um, and That's the logic right. yeah, of that is just utterly <laughs> stupid. Because if you could turn the same thing around and say it to them, it's not an argument. You know what I'm saying? Right. If you could just reuse it over and over again, it's not really proving anything. Um, but I heard it said the other day that one of the most hurtful things you can teach a child is that this world hates them or that this country hates them just by virtue of what they are. And and it seems fair to agree with that, at least in part, because it does seem to spawn a victim mentality in some Americans who then start or join movements to get things like reparations or to declare the American system unjust and expect something for nothing. So it creates a problem to, to raise kids with the idea that this world hates you just by virtue of what you are. Okay. And that's, that's what I basically heard this commentator saying is that that's a terrible okay. thing to teach a kid. But then I look in scripture and, and I see verses like, like John 15, uh, verses 18 uh, and 19, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. In what way is this different from what critical race theory teaches? And, and I know there's obviously some differences practically, but is it not dangerous to teach our kids that, hey, you know, you know, as a Christian, this world hates you. I mean, is that going to make them think of people differently out in public? <clears throat> I could. Um, and I, but I think really your primary difference is, yeah, it's a damaging thing outside of a um, Christian worldview context. Okay. Uh, but inside of a Christian worldview context, it's, it's, it's uh, couched in uh, the character and the understanding uh, of other things. If you're just kind of left out there, you say, you know, well, you got to make it, you, you got to make your way in the world and uh, hope you survive. And by the world, by the way, they hate you. Well, that's kind of bleak, mm -hmm. you know, and you might turn victim mentality on that. But as a Christian, when you, when, you know, it's said to the kids, you know, that we're in a spiritual battle here and the world at large doesn't like your values. They don't, they don't like who you are, 
but we understand that they're blinded and, and, and we want to love them um, and, and show Christ to them. And here's who Christ was mm-hmm. and here's how he responded. Um, but, I don't feel like you're going to get a victim mentality out of that. Okay. But do, is it, can we reliably place something like that on the shoulders of children to parse, well, to parse the difference between, you know, a child is, is making a really tough decision to say, I'm going to love the people of this world enough to tell them about Christ, but at the same time, I know that they hate me because I'm a Christian. That's a very mature yeah. thing to parse. Well, and notice, though, who it was said to. <clears throat> it was originally said to grown-up men who were the disciples of Christ. Sure. So it wasn't said to children. Uh, now it might be preached to children, but it mm-hmm. wasn't originally said to children. And so, yeah, maybe there's a way to say that. And furthermore, I think the generalization, uh, you know, if you say, when you say th- the world will hate you, okay. But if you mean that every single person literally hates you, that's not, Yeah, I don't know, a fair a- sure. extrapolation of that. You know, walk out and say, well, I thought my neighbor liked me, you know. Sure, I thought, but I mean, that's I thought, that's how a kid's mind will work if they hear something like that. And and don't get me yeah. wrong, I'm, I'm kind of in a way, you know, playing devil's advocate here. I, I do agree mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. this can be taught to children in a way that doesn't embitter them against everyone. Mm-hmm. But if someone's not careful and a kid just hears a statement like this, you know, the world hates you because you're a Christian, uh, you know, because the world hates Christ and the world hates Christians, you know, kids are not going to know how to think about that. He's going to go outside and think, man, this is a terrible place. And, you know, I'm a victim here. And he's going to start to feel sorry for himself, depending on his personality. Uh, mm-hmm. Or he might get bitter and angry, depending yeah. on his personality. And, and those certainly, you know, are you know, could, could happen. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, the bitterness, if a guy takes it wrong and if it's not presented correctly, but I'm, I'm casting the same thought in my mind, say in different scenarios, we're thinking of, you know, our children in an American context, but what about a, what about a Chinese parent, you know, in Mm -hmm. China, um, who wants to communicate at some point to their child, uh, our government is not at all friendly to the message of Christ, you know, to, to, to the biblical message. They yeah. despise it. They'll be cruel against it. Well, government, almost, that's one thing. That, that's kind of a different thing than what we're talking about. We're, I see. We're I saying see. the world, yes. basically, yes. Okay. people I out see. there. Yeah. So the way that you're saying that, I mean, like the relation to the culture now is to say that, to walk up to kids and say, literally because of the color of your skin, the world hates you. Mm-hmm. Um. Of course, even they're not saying that. They're saying America yeah, hates you, which is kind of ridiculous. Somehow, yeah. somehow the people within the boundaries of America are like peculiar, peculiarly racist, apparently. Like you can go to Denmark and people love you if you're black, I guess. But if you come to America, it's, it's like it's an intrinsic Or, or somewhere in the Middle hatred. East, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of silly. But anyway, um, you know, so I'm just thinking, okay, so what if you tell this, you know, you're a black parent, you tell your black kid... Um, so, you know, the, the world hates you because of the color of your skin. Um, if that was true, um, yeah, I guess that would be devastating and weird. Yeah, and, and but, you wouldn't but, expect a vast majority of such kids to turn around and then have a desire to see the same people of that world saved, right? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And also, so that's why I'm saying context. I'm, I'm saying it's got to be carefully taught if it's going to be taught at all to young kids. Right. And I think it, ha- and, and just like anything, it has to be accurately 
uh, taught. I mean, for instance, if, you know, should a black child know that there are some, uh, you know, there's some cruel people who still are fighting the Civil War and they're racist at heart? I think there's probably a few. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, So can they know that? Uh, does it have to damage their, their psyche? Well, yeah, they can know that. Um, but not, obviously not everybody hates them. And, but if you look at the biblical context, scripturally speaking, um, the world as a system, you know, hates Christ and hence the followers. Mm-hmm. However, um, that being said, are there, you know, it, um, uh, are there brothers and sisters in Christ around the world? You know, are there, yeah. can, can you conduct yourself in such a way that um, you, you, you adorn the doctrine of Christ and that you gain some respect? And, you know, I mean, I just think there's a, there's a balance to that sure. to say um, maybe not every individual literally hates you because there, there's other believers out there yeah. and, and you do have, yeah. and, I, I, I and guess... then wh- why do they... Why did they hate you? Yeah, I guess my whole my whole thing in bringing it up is just that I have actually known Christian families where they almost had this kind of mentality that criti- yeah. critical race theorists have, you know, almost wow. this reclusive from the world because right. uh, you know, they hate and us, you know, yeah, and, it, and they're the enemy and, and they're bad yep. and they're all, all these things. Uh, and I can I've seen how that affects children. So I've I've tried to be very careful with how I present this concept, even in our own home. Yeah, good thought. Good thought. Um, that's it. It's yeah. That'd be good for me to think about more. Just to say, okay, g- given that perspective, <laughs> how do you approach? You know, so so what is the argument for approaching people very candidly and casually and confidently keeping it with the C's here, you know, and caringly, uh, you know, so you walk up to a you know, homosexual, uh, high school, you know, contemporary, you know, and, and just start having a conversation with them, you know, yeah. and talking about even, even substantive things, you know, like, uh, you know, what do you believe, you know, um, why do you believe that it, it's okay. But yeah, there, there's those, those that are just kind of know we're so different. And, and by the way, I think sometimes we've made ourselves too different, but, um, hmm. But we're so so different that, yeah, like you say, it's the, the disparity yeah. is so huge that to approach them is 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 awkward yeah. and yeah. Uh, sure and yeah. And so a, it's just yeah, like you say, we hunker down or we recluse. I'd like to I'd like to ask you questions about that in the after show. Let's let's take that thought into the after show where you said sometimes I think we make ourselves too different. Okay. Um, and uh, if you'd like to hear that discussion, <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com slash reason together, and you can become an elite patron uh, with which you will get the benefit of hearing the rest of this conversation. Not to mention a free uh, pod, reason together podcast t-shirt. Yes, which I just yes. ordered a stock of blanks. Nice. So we've got blank yes. shirts to print on and uh, we have a professional printing press. So uh, we make our own shirts. So. <laughs> All right, so I know I know you say this like like every um well I think maybe like out of 105 episodes you've probably said it about 103 times. Well, no, I guess cuz we started saying it a little bit later. But um uh I was going to have you help me with our little tagline, but I finally pulled it up here. I I him hauled around long enough to pull it out. 
But I like, I, can I say it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's really close. By all right. Means. Encourage, we are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. You've been listening to Reason Together.